escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Sí, Welcome to Springboard, a virtual university. My name is Albert Okran. Welcoming you on behalf of Team Springboard, ably led by Comfort. This is your most inspirational show and the point where the greatest minds in the world converge. Your virtual university is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank with media support from the multimedia group and the Graphic Communications Group. Today in the engine room, we celebrate a very special person. Catherine Krobodisa is a long-standing partner and mentor of the Springboard family. She started a farming business in 1997, and 25 years later, she employs over 70 people, and several other families depend on her and her wisdom to make a living in agribusiness in Ghana. In 2011, Catherine traveled with us across the country on the Springboard Roadshow and joined us to Gambia for the international edition. Absolutely amazing experience with, with his Lordship Justice Kolendi, Yoni Kolendi, KSM, the leader in and, and Comfort and I. Very, very inspiring experience hosted by Pastor Forbes and his team in Gambia. I want to find out from Catherine, how did it all begin? What are the exciting moments, the award-winning moments, and of course, the pain, the tears, and the disappointment she's encountered in this incredible journey building Eden Tree Limited as an agribusiness company? And the big question, how can young people, especially young women, venture into agribusiness and make it big like she's done? Catherine, good to see you. Good to see you too. <laughs> welcome to Springboard. Thank you. And it, it's your home, so I, I can't even welcome you because you are part of the family. But yeah. congratulations on 25 years of Eden Tree. Thank you. Did you realize you had done 25 years? No. No. It's, it's incredible, you know. But it's like it's become part of life. I can imagine that. Yes. I dedicate this special edition of Springboard of Virtual University to our friends at the MasterCard Foundation. We did a great program with Core, and you are so passionate about the entire agribusiness value chain, and especially 
youth or young people in agriculture and then women in agriculture. Let me greet Rosie Fenn, Kafui Mills Odwe, Kukua Hyangle, and then Priscilla and the entire team working so hard to make the lives of Africa's young people even better. So earlier this week, I, I came to the factory to hang out with you and, and just unpack the story and just look at how far you've brought this and walking through the factory the various aspects of the setup and the elaborate procedures you go through to put food on our tables it, it was quite inspiring and the icing on the cake was meeting your son david who's in harvard and yes. thinking <laughs> what a world you've created for yourself do you feel blessed as a person yes the fact that I was able to educate my children, both of them. I feel blessed. I feel that I have at least contributed to something, you know. Um, they can also go into the world and impact, and I think I'm blessed. Help us to appreciate the, the value chain. Today's, a, today's an agribusiness show. Why don't help the public to to love, appreciate, understand, and walk the agribusiness journey. So help us from the perspective of eating tree to understand the various processes that food goes through or the value chain from end to end, starting from land acquisition. So what do you do? Okay, um, well, I always call myself a farmer, actually, you know, uh, because I had to check you know, all the processes along the value chain, I had to start as a farmer. Um, and starting as a farmer, basically the requirement is soil, water, seeds. Those are the three basics and of course your time. Um, so you acquire land, even if you don't acquire a huge land, any land, soil that, you know, you find around yourself you can actually start planting and you can start planting small and then gradually because that's what i did in 1997 i started small and then as we went along then i acquired you know more acres of land and that is how it it grows so um land water and then seed so before the food gets to our dining table you plant it you plant it right you harvest right after harvesting transportation you need to transport the food to a central place where food safety comes in you sort you clean you sanitize then you package and then after that you then distribute to the retail shops and then from the retail shops a consumer buys it and it ends up on the table Let's, let's explore the perception. Because when you say you're a farmer, I'm sure that for many people, the idea of, and if I may say so, because I'm a brother, I can see it, a good-looking person, well-educated, exciting person saying I'm a farmer, is almost like, hold on a second. Let's, let's, let's explore the cultural perception that farming is a male-dominated subsistence, boring, unattractive thing. Can you help us to appreciate the idea of women in farming i'll start by putting a question back to you why can't i be a farmer why does my look have to do has anything to do with farming 
I don't understand the perception, okay? Why, first of all, farming is supposed to be someone who is not educated, okay? Someone who doesn't have any other options in life, you know? That's what a farmer is, but that's wrong. You know, farmers are very important. When you're in your office as a banker, you need to eat. When you're a doctor, you need to eat. You know, everything that you are, you need food. And farmers are the ones that are producing the food. So it really is a shame that they have been put at the bottom end of, you know, achievements in life, you know. So I'm quite happy that I'm a woman and I'm quite happy that I can actually show the other side that it is possible for someone who was in banking can actually go into farming and make it a business. How much do women contribute to the farming value chain, even in the rural communities, in farming as it's been known over the years? What is the role of women in farming? I believe that women play a big part, but it's just that it's hidden. What you see is that when it comes to land ownership or when it comes to uh, cash, then it's the men who are fronting. However, when it comes to making the holes for planting the seeds for sowing. It's the women who are doing it. And sometimes it's even women with their children on their backs. When it comes to harvesting, it's the women who are doing it. When it comes to trading, taking the produce to the market to trade, it's the women who are doing it. So women play a large role, but it's just that it's hidden. It helps us to appreciate your transition into farming. You mentioned that you started as a banker. How did you go into farming? I went into farming out of a need because uh, I got divorced. Uh, my marriage ended um, and I had two beautiful children. And uh, I prayed to God to help me raise the children. So by doing that, uh, I had an open mind. So I said, God, what do I do? Um, because I'm now a single parent, I don't want to go back to a formal office environment. I want to be... Where, where was your office? The banking office? Oh, it was in the UK. Right. I so was in banking relocated? in the UK. Okay. So I relocated to Ghana. And before I relocated to Ghana, and I was going to be the only parent around, you know, uh, I decided not to go back to the formal environment right. so that I could spend time with the children. So on arrival, that became difficult because ob obviously I had to work, um, I had to feed the children. So that's where my faith kicked in and mm. I prayed that uh, God should give me what to do uh, that I can be around the children at the same time. And lo and behold, one thing led to another. I had no idea, I didn't have any experience when it comes to agriculture. Um, but I met an NGO who wanted aloe vera cultivated in large quantities. So I then contacted my sister-in-law in the UK and asked her to send me literature on how to grow aloe vera. Lo and behold, she sends me literature on how to grow vegetables and herbs. That's where the divine part kicked in because I had asked God to help me, okay, uh, take care of 
my children put, be able to put food on the table for the family. So this was his way of providing the avenue. So then when this came up, literature on how to grow vegetables came up, how to grow herbs came up. And then I realized, okay, I looked around, okay, no, I can't find herbs that I used to cook with when I was in London. I can't find nicely look, uh, locally produced vegetables that are packaged that speak to the language of consumers that go to buy from supermarkets. Help me understand. So it's quite an interesting story. So you're talking about a request to supply aloe vera in large quantities. And it, it was not your gig. I mean, you knew nothing about it. Mm -hmm. So you request for literature. Yes. Almost like going to Google and see, how do you find exactly. aloe vera in large quantities in <laughs> Exactly. Because, and then the friend? Yes. The friend sends you not aloe vera, but how to plant Yes, that's the sister in law. Yes. May, may the Lord bless you. What's her name? Jackie. Jackie, may the Lord bless you wherever you are. You, you are feeding several families by your obedience to the Spirit of God. But let's, let's, so, so you've got literature about how to plant herbs and vegetables. Yes, by accident, because that was not what I requested for. When you say herbs, like what? Culinary herbs. Okay. These are herbs for cooking. You know, um, you use it to flavor your foods. And they are actually wonderful they are better than uh, maybe uh, things that are not good for you uh, because this is natural so you have some of the names like so basil okay there's basil there's parsley there's dill there's coriander there's sage uh, there's fennel you know and there was and there was a demand for all this in Ghana yes you didn't know already i did not know there was a demand I started before I realized that there was a demand. So you, what, you planted them I by planted faith them, yes, by faith. So the literature came. I then realized that, okay, and I used to cook with the herbs when I was in London. Right. I then realized that I can't find any around. So then I planted just to see whether they'll survive. And I must, I, I remember that I did ask and I think most people said, nah, it's not going to work. But then something in me said, no, try. So I tried and they did beautifully. So you, you mentioned that I'm going into this with an open mind. I mean, banking, I mean, and with all due respect, when I was, I mean, in, in, in those days in the 90s, even saying we're going into entrepreneurship was itself seen as, as, demeaning for somebody who had gone to university was doing right. something on, on wall street high street and so on or in, in the banking sector but going into farming was even more would most likely be even more denigrated for lack of a better word exactly. and you mentioned going, going into it with an open mind tell yes. us about it okay. what do you mean by an open what mind what i mean by an open mind is i remember that my colleagues in banking when i told them that I was farming, I was planting. They laughed at me and asked me, are you crazy? And uh, I've come to realize that sometimes when you think about things that you feel are lower standards, you know, they actually, those things, if done well, can actually turn out to be even better than what people think is better because in my view i feel that i have moved further up in life than i would have if i had remained in banking wow okay because i was in someone else's country i was not in mine you know th there's just the ceiling that you can't go beyond but here i am i have come 
there's a need. Um, I have started a business. I have sort of helped with actually uh, giving employment to uh, some of my fellow Ghanaians. I have made an impact. You have. And you've won several awards and recognition. Exactly. And you, so you for, seem fulfilled. For me, that gives me joy than remaining in banking. How can we get young people to see agribusiness, the whole value chain, as exciting, as viable, as the way to go in terms of employment, as we seek to solve Africa's unemployment problem? Okay, um, first of all, my advice to the young generation is that realize that the formal sector, it's getting crowded. Okay, there's no room. How many of us can work in banks? How many of us can work in the ministries? However, there's this huge area, which is food. Everybody needs to eat food. Okay, so when you decide to become an entrepreneur, what you must do or what you must tell yourself is that whatever it is that I'm going to do, I'm going to do it so that I can make money out of it. Mm. I'm going to solve a problem. What is the solution that I can bring to the problem? Because that is where I will earn an income, you know, and generate funds. There's no competition, but it's just that you have to be willing to set your mind to it. It's not easy. Nothing is easy, but the opportunities are there. We do get foreigners coming in, and they tell us, if they look in our gutters, we have gold. We have opportunities lined there, but we don't see it. Open your mind, okay? Don't uh, disregard opportunities as below, your level. as below your level. Because that opportunity can actually become something big. But let me ask you, Catherine, would you... I met your son, David. I really liked the time we spent together. And, and he's in Harvard Business School. I mean, yes. that's, that's the ultimate for every young person. Yes. Would you encourage your son, David, to go into agribusiness? Absolutely. Serious. I'm, I'm always saying that he is going to take Edentree to the next level, to a level that I am not capable of. You, you will send your son into farming? Absolutely. At Edentree? Absolutely. Help our young listeners to understand why. You know, because as I said, with education, there's so much more that you can do, okay? And I believe that the, one of the reasons why maybe those who are into farming, who are not educated, is the inability of taking that business to the next level. But with education, what that means is that you can take it to the next level. Wow. Beyond your wildest dreams. So from your model, once you have the right orientation, the right education, no matter what you are doing, others may do it at a certain level, but your education and exposure can let you take it to the next level. Yes. You mentioned food safety, and it was one, one, of, the, my, one of my biggest observations when I came to the factory. I went to the sorting end, and I was like, ah, I don't know what's in this thing. I mean, the amount of, the, the meticulous process of cutting out what the lady, I didn't ask her name, but the lady thought she was, she was so focused, cutting out everything that she thought was 
not good just to make sure she separates only that which makes a certain grade. So I asked the quality assurance manager, what's her name? Uh, Kunedu. Kunedu, who took me around. I was asking Kunedu, Kunedu, are they not wasting this? She says the standard is non-negotiable. <laughs> why are you so big on food safety and, and quality assurance? Why, why, why is this such a big thing for you? With the whole dedicated quality assurance manager. Because I promised myself that what I give to our customers is something that I can eat myself. Mm. And I want to eat safe food. I want to give my children safe food. So if that is what I want to do, why do I do less? But it comes at cost, doesn't it? Yes, it comes at a cost. But the cost is worth it because you're doing the right thing. You're not cutting corners. And like I said, if we had decided to cut corners, well, we would probably be rich by now. Mm. Because food safety following the procedures is actually quite costly. It makes it uh, difficult to make huge profits. Give us a sense of the cost, the cost points of food safety, just for the benefit of... I want us to understand as much as possible about your work, just so we can... Yes. So let's say, for example, you've harvested a fruit or a vegetable. Okay, now, just looking at it with your naked eye doesn't say anything to you. But that product must go through a process. So the first process is ensuring that everything is okay. Next process is that you wash it. Next process is that you sanitize. Okay, when you are sanitizing the product, the naked eye cannot see what's on it but during the process of sanitizing it takes care of everything that you can't see with your naked eye what's the risk what are the risks why are you going through all this because if you have bacteria e coli on the product your naked eye cannot see but mm. when you eat it it makes you sick if, even in some worst cases you can die Mm. You know, it can kill you. So those are the risks. So, it's, it's so you have to make food safe. Mm. So you have to go through all these processes. And even in the process, you can also easily contaminate the product mm. by just your bare hands that you're using to pack the product. So you also have to go through a process where your staff are adequately covered, you know, with their PPEs. They take the products through processes that the product does not, does not get contaminated. Right. And then after that, there's also temperature that also plays in. That depending on the temperature, high temperature can actually de deteriorate the product. And then the bacteria starts growing at a very fast rate. So storage is also important at the end, cold storage. It sounds very, very much like a science that you described. I mean, you described it with a smile on your face, but all these details that you give, and I remember having to wear PPEs myself, cover my shoes with, with all those protections and so on, just to ensure I don't contaminate the factory. But let me run the issue of farmers planting by gutters, especially the city, by you. I mean... Surely, some of those also end up on our, our, our <laughs> shelves. What do you think about those who plant, plant by those drains um, and so on? Um, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't eat it. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons why uh, I'm happy that eating trees are available because it's an option. 
it's an option for those who want to ensure that they eat safe food. Uh, even though it's not good, we all know that it's not good. On the other hand, too, they are not provided with solutions. There's no other solution for them. So when you think about it, what are they supposed to do? Yes, we have actually gone round, we give talks, we give advice, and they listen, they hear, they know. But what are their options? There's no option. You know, you don't have a well, you don't have access to clean water, but then you have to work, you have to feed your family, and you have land. And what is next to the land is wastewater. But not good water. Not good water. <laughs> as a champion of food safety, you see what they are doing is not ideal, but as maybe as a mother and also as an entrepreneur, you see, well, listen, that's the only way that they can feed themselves. So let's find out, can we create more opportunities for these people to do it in a better way? And by the way, can we reorient the way Greek is taught in schools? Let me bring you a special message from UMB as we celebrate 50 years. They say all great countries are built on the back of entrepreneurs who are inspired and motivated to take risks and turn their startups into thriving corporations like Eden Tree. And they say that this is the passion of Springboard to inspire and fire up young generations of Ghanaians to go into profitable enterprise. In this, they are proud. In this, we are proud to be associated with the Ghanaian Bank, famous for growing SMEs and startups since 1972. As UMB celebrates its golden jubilee, it reminds Ghana that they are committed to excel at the business of banking and growing startups and SMEs. So that's where to go if you are a startup and an SME. Contact the bank today and let them help you to rise to the commanding heights of the economy. UMB brings a uniquely Ghanaian perspective to banking since 1972. So that is the message from UMB Bank. We'll go for a brief break. When I come back, my guest for today, Catherine. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Probably say, telling us the story of Eden Tree and exciting us about agri and agribusiness in Ghana and by extension Africa. It's a beautiful story of 25 years of learning, of growth, and of excellence. Please enjoy. When you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, 
Which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you, and everyone's behind you, and, and the, the whole world, world awaits, awaits you. Don't go alone. Go with us. Everywhere, Everywhere you, you go. Hello. Dear valued customer. Hmm. Hey, Asemo. The entire customer service team is out for lunch. Please call back in four hours. What? Me nana be di akona mo me bad service ano. Me kokra. Ah, nana. With bonds from Enterprise D, you will love the customer service experience, KK. I am available for you 24-7 on the Enterprise Advantage app, the Enterprise website, and on WhatsApp number 055-400-1924. Hello? Babs. Chat with Babs from Enterprise, your contact for insurance, pensions, funeral and property solutions from the Enterprise Group. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> Hello, UMB, Ghana's premier merchant bank with the greatest Ghanaian heritage in corporate banking in Ghana, is proud to offer you the best corporate banking solutions possible. We have been excelling in serving Ghana since 1972 and our sole interest is to make your business succeed. From treasury and forex trades to letters of credit, our team of corporate banking specialists are happy to sit with you to structure the solutions that will drive your business growth. Speak to our business bankers or visit any of our branches today. UMB Bank, you first. Welcome back to Springboard, a virtual university brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation in partnership with our friends at the Multimedia Group and the Graphic Communications Group and our sponsors, MTN Pulse, the Enterprise Group and UMB Bank. If you joined us along the way, my guest for today, exciting, Catherine Crawford, is helping us to understand 25 years of eating tree as an agribusiness entity. We are exploring how young people can go into agri and agribusiness and find it an exciting employment opportunity and a viable way to express their God-given talents. Catherine, let's move on to the fact that 70 families depend on you for a living. Charlie, please, salary is not a small thing. I mean, how do you manage it? By prayer, you know, every time... Uh, especially uh, there are occasions when you don't know where the money is coming from yes. that maybe your monies are locked up with the clients they are not releasing because they also have some challenges or the other I just get down on my knees and I pray I said Lord we have to pay salaries and I'm thankful that for 25 years you know we've paid salaries every month sometimes it's a little late but then there's no month that we haven't paid Let's take with the issue of responsibility. Are you able to produce all that you need to feed your, the, the size of factory that you have and your no, client demand? No, and, and that's one of the challenges in the agri sector. We're not producing enough. Right. We are unable to produce to meet the demand. So you actually find that we import uh, quite a number of things into the country, for example, onions, tomatoes, you know. And these are foods that we eat every day. So we are not producing enough. So what I find in my sector, the vegetables that I need, there are times that we 
under distribute because we just don't have enough. We distribute what we have. Uh, secondly, to uh, we sort of if farmer A with the outgrowers or the smallholder farmers that we're working with, if farmer A doesn't have it for us, we go to B. If B doesn't have it for us, we go to C. Explain the, the, what, what you called. Let's start first with your own farms. Yes. And how many farms do you have? We have three farms. Right. Where? So we have one at Insawam, one at Asuchare, and then one at Ada. So you're doing serious business. <laughs> what? <laughs> Insawam, Asuchare, and Ada. It's almost like a, like a triangle. Yeah. But and, and you're saying that even, that even that is still it's, not enough. It's, no, we get about 10% of our total Your farms raw produce 10% 10 of your raw yes. material. That's huge. Yes. That's, I mean, that's, that's... No, that's little. That's compared, little compared yes. to your, your requirements. Exactly, yes. And you're saying that you compensate for that with, with an outgrower scheme. Exactly. Explain that. Okay, uh, smallholder farmers, we work right. with smallholder farmers, and uh, you know, we understand the language of the retailers. Right. And you find that smallholder farmers don't understand that language. All they want to do, all they are interested in, is to produce. Right. Okay, so then we go take it off them, and then we convert it into the language that the retailers understand. So we sometimes support the smallholder farmers with soft loans, uh, and then when their produce is ready, we deduct the soft loans from the produce. So we have a lot of them that when their produce is ready, we go, we pick. About how many do you work with? Uh, at the moment, we have about 100 on our books. So, so you're looking at about 170 families. Kelly, <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> Well, no, but then there's, uh, the, it's actually bigger than that. I mean, a hundred is, is a small number compared to the number of farmers, you know, out there. Uh, out there. So this, this smallholder farming scheme sounds like an exciting way. It takes the burden off the farmer. Are there any challenges associated with it? Yes, the challenges that we have experienced uh, is that when we give out the soft loans, um, the farmer will end up side selling the produce when it's ready. Why? It's, I don't know, we have an issue with trust. I, I, if you ask me where it started from, I don't know, because there are trust issues everywhere in all aspects of life. Even in partnerships, we don't do very well with partnerships because of trust. So the farmer has been helped. You don't have capital. Somebody helps you to get money. You plant. And then you time, sell. And you want to sell and, and not pay the person. Exactly. Is that and why people don't that pay is, bank loans? And I think that's also part of the reasons why banks don't lend. I was coming to that, considering yes. your, your, your background exactly, in, yeah. in banking. It's trust. Trust. Yes. Let's push on to export. Do you, do you export? No, we don't export because we are not able to meet the demand locally, let alone export. And uh, for, uh, at a very early stage, I decided that uh, if I need a dollar, I just look at how many CDs do I need to get my dollar. Right now, I think it's seven plus. So if I sell my vegetable to you and it's eight CDs, I've got my dollar. And then what's Let's go to how agric is taught in our schools. It's compulsory in our time, compulsory from form one to form three. But why would you punish me by telling me to go to the school farm to go and read? Should we change the way Absolutely. the way agric is packaged even at the secondary school level? Absolutely, because 
Even when you speak to a psychologist, they will tell you that those who come to them with problems is because of deep-rooted issues. Mm. So if you are sending a young student to the farm, you are punishing that student. That student is going to grow up, you know, running far from farm, from farming, because it's, it's deep-seated in their mindset. I, we really need to stop that. Actually, we should come up with ways in which we make it exciting to go to farms. Like maybe we organize picnics mm. for the students. Let's go to the farm and have a picnic. You know, that's a fun thing to do. We need to associate fun things with farming and stop associating, you know, uh, terrible things with farming, punishments with farming. So you're saying that from the psychological point of view, anything that gave you pain in your childhood, you grew up with an innate dislike for it. Absolutely. So create fun-filled things like yes. picnics in the farm. Yes. Like, that sounds exciting. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And it, it, it can be done. It, it, it sounds very, very plausible. Yes. Yeah. Picnic in the farm. Yes. I, I have a friend who's doing some very exciting things uh, with farming and it involves tourism, it involves, I mean, it's, it's so exciting that I, I think it's, it's unprecedented, but it just shows how long the value chain can be if we take off our old shackles and say, agribusiness is life. Absolutely. So you're saying that we should, we should change the, the way we teach yes, it in schools yes. and make it much more fun. Yes, we should make it fun. We should... What about content, the curriculum? Yes, the content too um, is a bit uh, archaic, is old methods, you know. So uh, the content, the technology, the uh, ideas all needs to change. It, it needs to become modern. Okay. Uh, a great cannot be exciting to someone who has gone to school finished university and then is going to use hoe and cutlass to farm. I mean, it just doesn't sink. Let's, let's talk about the imagery. You, you mentioned hoe and cutlass. And if you Google the farmer right now, I am sure that you will never see a picture of a high-tech farm leveraging technology. You are likely to see a poor person with other clothes um, welding a, a cutlass and a hole and looking unsure of themselves. How important is imagery in communication, especially when it comes to farming? That's the way in which we can get the next generation to go into farming if we work on the imagery. We need to make farming sexy. Mm, I like that. Say it again. I love that word. I love the way you describe it. We need to what? We need to make farming sexy. What is sexy farming? Sexy farming is, you know, high-tech, modern equipment, you know. Uh, you have your monitors, irrigation is set, everything works like clockwork. That's sexy. And, and, and that's what you want David to come and do at Eden. Absolutely, Sexy yes. farming. Yes. Charlie said, I've learned something. I'm telling you, look, if, you, if you've never learned anything, if you haven't learned anything in the past uh, about... about about farming and about agribusiness and, and from Catherine, please, the, the new one is sexy farming. i tell you something, but I like your can you, passion. Can you imagine you go to a farm and you see this young lady on a heavy-duty tractor, you know, plowing, 
Isn't that sick? That, 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 doesn't that give you an image of, you know, sexy? I was watching, my, I was watching the, the, the press against visit to my, my friend, Senor Jose's farm, and I found out that the tractors were all driven by ladies. The, the factory supervisor was a lady. And, and for me, just seeing that alone was just fulfilling. Yes. And you're right about that. Yeah. So that's part of sexy family. Yes. I think I, I must learn more about this. <laughs> Let, let's talk about technology. How big an enabler, it's part of your description, how yes. big an enabler is technology in, in farming? It is big. It is big because technology is what will help you towards volumes. So why don't we do it? Why don't we do more of it? It's uh, funds. You know, technology is expensive. Okay, so uh, I don't know. Policy needs to come in. Government needs to come in to make these things available. Because uh, someone leaving university does not have the means to acquire technology for farming, irrigation, uh, tractors, uh, small implements that makes farming easier than using a hoe and a cutlass. So let's contrast, let's say any vegetable, carrots, um, coriander, fennel, any of the vegetables that you, we described, what would be the difference between somebody planting with technology and somebody planting manually? Let me take carrots because carrots is a difficult crop to cultivate. The seeds are tiny. And you know, carrot is a, crude, a, a root crop. Mm. So being a root crop, it means that you need to give that carrot enough space on the ground mm. to be able to grow. And doing it manually, can you imagine manually spacing each carrot out? When are you going to finish acres and acres of carrot? You're not going to be able to finish. But when you think about technology, where the technology does the spacing and then just drops the seed as it's moving along at a very fast pace. Within an hour, it's done several acres. Which would typically take how many weeks? So you're saying what can be done in probably a week can be done in an hour by technology? By technology. And then not just that, but doing it manually means that you need lots of hands. You might Let's let's look at the concept of demonstration farms. How important are these centers of excellence to orienting the public about what is possible? I mean, if we can't afford to have every farm having technology, and we want to send a picture to the young people about what is possible, how how big can demonstration farms or centers of excellence be in this regard? I think we need to actually make that part of the curriculum, demonstration farms that is well equipped to be able to inform the students and the next generation that this is what is possible. So that they can then make their minds up because to be honest, nobody wants to go finish university and then have to go and use cutlass and hoe. When? How many acres is he going to be able to work on? For what revenue? What amount? Small? No. And then the issue of parental 
even convincing a parent who's taking you to school exactly. that you are disappointing them. We had, we had a focus group discussion with some young people, and the biggest objectors to their children going into farming was guess what? The farmers themselves. Somebody said the only the biggest thing his father owned as a farm was a portable radio. So to see him go into farming, his father's his, his father's heart was broken. And you think these demonstration farms will show parents also what is possible? Yes. When you look at the West, farmers, it's like their farmers are wealthy. You know, they have huge tracts of land. They have technology. Let's talk about post-harvest losses. In our focus group discussion, two people, one experienced farmer and then one startup farmer, mentioned that as a result of not being adequately informed, they planted all right, but when the crops came, it was just a lot in their hands, and now they didn't know what to do with it, and they had a glut, and we hear of Afram plains, things getting rotten, and in another part of the country, people are broke and hungry. How critical is yes. the issue of food You would need to do your research. You know, we are in the perishable industry. These are perishables. So therefore, these are not uh, things that you can keep for a long time. Do your research, whereby first of all, what do you plant? The soil that you're going to plant, what works well? Um, when uh, smallholder farmers come to me for advice on what to plant for us, my advice to them is that stagger your planting, mm. okay? Because what we need is we need your produce on a weekly basis, you know, for 365 days a year. We don't need everything in one week. Mm. So stagger your planting. That way you have your consistent revenue coming in. When you plant everything at the same time and you don't have the market, surely some of that produce is going to go bad. How, how can policy, government policy, help us to get this better? Because when all is said and done, we are part of a nation with, with governments and policy makers. How can they, you mention policy being more uh, responsive to agri? How can we do this better with policy? Agri, we need to invest more into agri. In fact, agri needs to become important. Let's look at the weather, the climatic conditions. Things are getting worse. It's drier and getting dry and getting drier. Um, every year we have rains, and then we hear horror stories of certain areas getting flooded. And then at the end of the day, all the rainwater goes back into the sea. How do we create dams, okay, dugouts that we can trap the rainwater? Are there models we can learn from? Yes. Uh, at the, when I started eating tree, uh, I used to go to Togo because at that time we didn't have enough carrots in Ghana. And when I went, it was, you know, the government had organized a huge, huge parcel of land and then divided it up for various farmers. They were all planting carrot. So everyone has their portion, okay? And then everyone has a well and a pumping machine. 
So everyone had access to water. And they were planting carrots. And small Togo as it was, was able to feed Ghana and other parts of the countries with carrots. But you see, the policy there worked. When you go to Burkina Faso, they've had the formal sector and by default ended up being in a creek because he saw an opportunity um, with aloe vera and took it uh, and planted seeds and, and yes. seeds and, and herbs and, and vegetables the third point is about having an open mind i love that one you say you didn't see farming as below your level you saw it as opportunity that you could take advantage of and you think that even though it sounded funny when you said you were a farmer, I like the way you don't even say you are in agribusiness, say you are, I'm a farmer. Yes. So it's like you want to rub it in for those who think it is not, it is not good enough for you. And you say, you, you think you've taken your life further than you would have if you had remained in your financial services mm -hmm. sector. The fourth point is about farming as a business. You see, it's, it can be profitable and viable if it is done well and food is indispensable. And you added that you would actually encourage your son, David, who's in Harvard Business School, to go into farming or agribusiness and take eating tree to the next level. The fifth point is about food safety. You say you have invested significantly, I saw that myself, in food safety. And if it's because you want, you want to be able to eat what you sell, and had you not done so much, you probably would have been richer by now yes. the sixth one also of great interest is the comment about planting vegetables by gutters you see while you as a champion of food safety would not recommend that there must be options for a person who sees opportunity with demand for foodstuffs and wants to take advantage but has no means to get clean water so that is something we should address the seventh one is about the smallholder farmer scheme you see apart from the 70 people you employ you create opportunity for about a hundred mm -hmm. smallholder farmers to produce to meet the standards that you have and you buy of them so they don't, they don't have to worry about capital in the market two of the biggest things in agri probably yeah and you see that notwithstanding sometimes there are trust issues because when the harvest comes then they want to exactly. say, swerve you yes and sell it elsewhere <laughs> Um, the eighth is about export. See, you don't export because the local demand is enough and your food yes. is perishable and you don't want yes. to stress yourself. Yes, but that does not mean that we don't want to export. Right. It's just that we need enough. Okay. We need more material to export. Right. The, the ninth point is about agri-education. And you see, you can't punish people to go to the school farm and expect them to grow and be excited about our Greek. You say we should shift to associating fun things with our Greek, like doing picnics in school, and that is where the idea of sexy farming <laughs> was introduced. Interesting point. And you say the 10 points about imagery. You say farmers must not be, be depicted as people with, with, with um, cutlass and hose looking poor and unhappy. It can be shown with technology and exciting uh, imagery. And then you go on to see that technology itself is a big enabler and a game changer in farming, but it's expensive. You say, what carrots, what can be planted in a, in, in a week can be planted in, in an hour with yeah. technology. Yes. And that really is. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
but if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Where we should be looking. Um, the, the 12 points about demonstration farms. You see, if these models of excellence are created, mm-hmm. children and parents can see what is possible and mm-hmm. the fight about people going into a Greek will cease because they will see the opportunity that lies in it. Yes. The 13th point is about um, post-harvest losses. And you see that the products in Agrica are perishable mm-hmm. and therefore to avoid the glut or the losses, do your research, plan what you do, ask the right questions mm-hmm. and stagger your production. It's a 365 day thing, it's not <laughs> a one weekend. The 14 points about policy support, you're seeing that policy can, can help in agribusiness, in the agribusiness value chain. You mentioned that in Togo, the government attract, um, created a tract of land or acquired a tract of land mm-hmm. and shared it for the farmers and gave each one a well mm-hmm. and a pumping machine to be yes. able to plant carrots and then they ended up exporting to the whole sub-region. Yes. You also mentioned Burkina's trapping water in every place. And you say if we did just that, it would help those planting by the gutters to have a cleaner source of water and that's how policy could help. Your 15th and final point is the fact that agri can be and should be the solution to Africa's and Ghana's youth unemployment. You see that if COVID has taught us anything, the demand is there for food, and the world would continue to demand more and more food. And with all the arable land we have, really, we could be the breadbasket of the world. Catherine, you know what? I've enjoyed this conversation with you just, just as a learning platform for a Greek. I did a Greek, a, a Greek science in Form 1 to Form 3, but I think I've enjoyed your class more than <laughs> and no, no offense to my no offense to my a Greek science teacher, but I've enjoyed listening to you talk about it. I've enjoyed the science of it, the art of it, the entertainment of it, and the whole gamut of things that is associated with a Greek. And it's it's I suspect it's the same for my listeners and viewers out there who may have seen Africa as that boring thing that you wanted to drop as soon as possible and move on to other seemingly 